0: Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. We are podcasting in the middle of the Corona apocalypse, which apparently is never going to end. We (laughs) thought it was going to end sooner, but it seems like it's just going to go on and on and on. And I will say, I've been saying this is an 18 to 24 (laughs) month deal for several months. A lot of people start saying, well, those tweets didn't age well or they're aging better now. Anyways, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us, broadcasting live from our complex in downtown West Palm Beach today on the podcast. Of course, our co-host Leslie Bennett is here, Carly Seelman, our engineer, Pastor Aaron Philippone, Pastor Derek Simpson, and all of us are having a conversation about what we're doing at Family Church. And the Corona apocalypse, Leslie, just continues to roll on and roll over us.
1: It sure does. And I think, I mean, we are going to have to say you were right, Pastor Jimmy. I really do think we're going to all again. have to say you were <laughs> say right. It again. Because I think that we are going to be in this for the long haul. It's going to ebb and flow, and we're going to have to continue to be what we've talked about, flexible, adaptable and agile.
0: No question about it. So we have this idea that's been animating us for the last six weeks or so is that we felt like, hey, the curve is bending towards less distancing and more reopening. And it really felt like that. In fact, we were a little concerned as we looked at a lot of our friends around the state and some in our own city that were reopening ahead of us. And we're thinking, man, maybe we're being too conservative or maybe we're kind of missing the boat. But we said, We think it'd be better to be a few weeks too late than a few weeks too early. So I'm just wondering, Derek, Aaron, how are you guys feeling about just the feel of our community, the feel among our church members and leadership, what you see in the media? I'm curious just about your impression, because it may not be the same as mine.
2: Well, I'm not feeling very good about anything these days. (laughs) Everything (laughs) is just changing every single day. I'm tired of this kind of feeling because normally we feel so confident in the decisions that we're making, but we are having to change some of our strategies from week to week. And so it's frustrating. It's difficult. It's different. We want to do the very best we can to care for our people. And sometimes it's hard to know how to do that. And so we're just feeling different from day to day. Derek, how about you?
3: Yeah, Pastor, I think the same thing. I think we're definitely feeling everything in the community, everybody's kind of taking a huge step back. Yeah. And even our county officials and even our governor has just said, hey, we are really probably need to tap the brakes on this whole push to reopen, even though we understand we all have to reopen at some point and in some kind of way.
1: Yeah, just to set it in context, this is Thursday, June 25th. And we're in Florida, and so we are having a spike in our state. And you know, the thing about this is it's not the same across the country. Mm-hmm. So where we've talked to a lot of churches recently on the podcast, people that have opened, they're not in Florida where we are, where we're experiencing these things. And so it's the ebb and flow like you talked about. So it's not the same across the board. It's not the same day to day. It's not the same where you are in Florida, North Florida or Central Florida versus South Florida. So there's so many factors to consider.
0: There really are. But I think across the country, the places that have been the most aggressive in reopening, Florida, Texas, Georgia, are seeing some pretty, pretty strong surges. And I think our biggest fear is that the lagging indicators of the virus transmission, which are hospitalizations and deaths, Mm -hmm. don't start showing up until two or three or four weeks after the virus is been transmitted on a large scale. So that's what everybody's a little nervous about because for the first time this last week or two, our deaths, instead of going down rapidly, have actually kind of leveled off or even ticked up a bit, which as a lagging indicator means, boy, if it started ticking up now, it's likely to keep going up. So a couple of things that have happened to us in the news in South Florida that have affected us. One, virtually all city governments in major urban or suburban areas in Florida have instituted mask ordinances, which means it is a requirement for anyone in any indoor public gathering to wear a mask. That would be inside of a mall, inside of a movie theater, inside of a church, inside of a restaurant, unless you're actually eating. And then we've also had our schools here in Palm Beach County, where we live, just decide not to make a decision about reopening at the normal date, the second week of August, mm-hmm. and have actually began openly discussing the possibility of starting after Labor Day, so Derek, Leslie, Aaron, I'm curious about how you guys feel about all of that because that really affects how our congregation is going to feel.
3: Yeah, well, we've said from the very beginning, we feel like our peer institutions are local schools, entertainment industries, you know, movie theaters, Disney World, Universal, the Little League across our county. And so the prospect of all of that not starting when we thought it was going to start certainly gives us pause to think maybe we've got to think differently about our reopening plans. Because as of this recording, we were looking at having gatherings in the next four or five weeks.
0: Yeah. So Eric, now you recently went, your son plays an organized youth league football and they had a flag football and they restarted it. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about your experience with that.
2: Yeah. So we had two games on Monday. So that was three days ago. And then we had a game last night, obviously both outdoors. The crowd was a normal size crowd of what you would expect at a flag football little league game. The referees were wearing masks. Some of the parents were wearing masks, but by and large, most people were not. They're trying to wrap all of that up this week. And so I don't think that they're planning to reopen any other sports in the next couple of weeks. They haven't announced any kind of openings or dates for the tackle season that they're planning on doing in the fall. No tryouts, nothing. Which normally
0: by now, we would be in full court press
3: getting that going. Yeah, exactly. Derek, you play in a different league. Our kids play in the
0: same league. Your kids play in a
3: different area of town. Tell us about that. Yeah, same experience for us. We're, they're not, they're taking deposits, <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> and we got a very vague email from the baseball team saying they're willing to put together competitive teams, but they don't have a place to practice. They don't have any tournaments to go to, and they don't know how much money it's going to cost. So they're hoping on hope at this point. Right. <laughs> Kind of like a church. Yes, I certainly right. understand how they feel. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: No doubt. And now, Leslie,
0: you have a background. You've involved in communications at a very high level in Washington, D.C., with national leaders in our government, your husband, a major political writer for a major newspaper here in South Florida. I'm curious as to how the Bennett family is processing all of this in the news and the media.
1: Well, I think we feel like everybody else. And I think we're going to have to recognize that, you know, the people, the way we feel about this is we're going to have to set aside, like we've talked about, to be loving our neighbors. So I try to set aside how I personally feel about things. My husband and I don't necessarily feel the same about things. So you're Mm -hmm. still navigating that within your home in terms of the Mm -hmm. kinds of things that you have an appetite to do, like go out to eat dinner in a restaurant and those kinds of things or gather in church even. And so we're all navigating that in different ways. But I just think that the reality is we're in a new reality and we have to get our heads around it. We have to pay attention to the right sources and just try to make the best decisions that we can because like you said, when you watch the news, you're not quite sure what to think. No. So I don't feel like we've talked about let's, you know, pay attention to local, state, and national leaders, but it just continues to get more and more polarized on a political scale. And so we're just trying to discern from the best of our ability, how do we move forward?
0: Yeah. And I think for for our listeners, I'm sure our listeners are sharing the frustration. So one of my biggest frustrations is it's hard to figure out when I'm watching the news or even reading news sources, I feel like everybody's spinning the data so hard. I'm not saying anyone's fabricating data. There's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics, right? So when someone (laughs) begins to share statistics as a basis for decisions, it's hard for us to understand What we're really looking at. And so there are some sources that are kind of seem more independent that are accruing data about COVID, especially locally in Florida and in South Florida. But gosh, it's hard to tell. So I'm curious as to how that's landing on you guys.
3: Yeah. So like one of those data points that's emerged recently in the state of Florida is we saw this massive shift in the last 10 days or so where the m- median age of cases of right. COVID positive cases went from like 65 to 38. Yeah, it dropped al- by decades. Almost overnight. Yeah, And so Governor DeSantis's explanation for that was a lot of people in their 20s and 30s and 40s are starting to go back to work and people are requiring COVID testing. And there's seen a lot of asymptomatic positives and people that have very diminished kind of effects on their health. And so they're positive, but it's not really that big of a health concern. So that's one of the data points that we're looking at and we're going, okay, if that's true, then maybe this isn't as bad as we, certainly it's been bad and there's a lot of bad things have happened from it, but maybe it's not crushing to our future.
2: How about you, Aaron? Well, for the Philippone family, we look at the national media and we see some of the stories on there, but we're probably paying more attention to what's happening locally. And so Palm Beach County, I think we're close to 500 deaths. I think we're at 12,000 confirmed cases. Whereas two or three weeks ago, we were very open to gatherings and Mm -hmm. different social activities. Well, now we're talking about, okay, when we go to Publix, put a mask on the kids. I mean, it's just got to feel a little bit different.
0: Right. And of course, now everyone's going to have a mask on the kids. I guess the thing that's interesting to me is that we can say what we want about being discerning and media and spin and whatever, but you can't help but note that the vibe that is permeating our community culturally Right now is one that is less enthusiasm for reopening and honestly, more enthusiasm for masking and distancing. And I actually think everyone is aware of that. And even if we do have a few people who just say, you know, this is all a hoax or this is all a political thing or the government shouldn't be intruding. And even if, like Leslie said, even if I personally share some parts of some of those sentiments, it doesn't matter because to reopen a church, you're going to have to have thousands of, you know, like ours, thousands of people are going to have to agree to show up. And hundreds of people are going to have to agree to come and be volunteers and be trained. Boy, I'm just not sure we're going to be able to pull it off at this point.
1: I think it's interesting some of the communications tools that churches are using to talk about how we're going to gather and what we're going to do. And I think we talked to some of our guests. I mean, I think what you lay out there and what people do are two separate things. And I really think that people who are showing up for church are primarily falling in the category of people who don't care. So they are willing to come and practice less social distancing, less masking, less of that. I feel like the people who are really concerned about it are probably going to stay at home anyway. And so I think as we talk about what we're going to do, paying attention to the percentages for us, who is coming in person, if we do, in fact, reopen, who's coming in person, and who's still online. And then I think when you're together with people, I mean, we're humans, I feel like you can tell what people want you to do. You can tell if they look approachable or if they don't look approachable. So I Mm -hmm. think we're just going to have to learn to interact with people, maybe a little differently than we have in the past and just be more But I feel like as people, we do that naturally. I don't know if we need the red wristband that says, like, don't come and touch me. Or the button that, you know, says no hugs. Like, I'm going to put on a button that says no hugs because I don't want you to hug me. I just feel like we're human. We can tell. We can read body language. I mean, that's how I'm thinking about it when we think about reopening.
2: Well, the other thing we're going to have to do is continue to invest in family church at home, online experiences and opportunities, and encourage that because that is a great way to keep our church family connected. It's a safe way to do it. And I think we've seen great success with it. And so just, we know going forward, we're going to have to continue to increase and improve that opportunity for people. And then the other thing is we're just going to have to keep polling our people because we started calling all of our volunteers to find out if they were ready to regather. And last week, two thirds of them were ready to regather. But if we called them this week, it might feel very different. And so, Over the next few weeks, we're going to have a plan and we're going to make sure that we're ready if we can open and regather. But really, it's going to come down to what you said, Pastor Jimmy, which is the appetite for our volunteers regathering when we actually do make that call.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that we've discovered so we've done a couple of things, right? So we have our own staff meetings and kind of our feel for it. We have a committee based system for helping to make decisions that involves about 50 lay leaders that are elected by our church. We've met with all of those committees and kind of taking their temperature on this. We've done a survey where we had over 1,200 families respond to our survey, which is pretty extensive, although that was three or four weeks ago at this point. What it really came down to, though, is we get ready to begin to reopen, hopefully in August. We're going to have to train in July. So we had to get all of our campus pastors to make phone calls and say, okay, it's one thing to take a survey. It's Who's actually going to be here? And what we found is some of our campuses had as many as like a 60 or 70% Response, oh yeah, we'll definitely be there when we're in town. But then we had some campuses who really began to struggle with putting this together. So some of our campuses who initially were saying, we got to let's reopen now, when they actually had to put names on a list of people who are going to show up for training, have had to say, you know what? Actually, we're looking at after Labor Day. We're going to look at the end of August. And that's been interesting too, Derek. And I know that you've been a part of those conversations.
3: Yeah, it has. And I think some of the things that we've seen, take the masks, for example. We spent, I mean, I don't know how many hours of conversation (laughs) and discussion different teams have had about what we do for masks and who wears a mask. Well kinda just made that decision for us and so it really <laughs> took away a big thing that could have been a divisive thing within our bodies so that whenever we yeah, that's probably- like twenty hours of conversation <laughs> we'll never get back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but we're gonna regather at some point and I think everybody pretty much assumes that, you know, we're gonna wear a mask to church just like you wear one to Publix or to the mall or to school perhaps even in the fall for our kids. And so it's just going to become temporarily, I hope, a part of just how we do church. And so I think trying to find ways that our church can drive towards unity and our leadership structure can drive towards unity. And two, just we've we've had to make some decisions and really remind our leaders that in issues like this, you're probably never going to get consensus, sometimes among your team, but probably not from your volunteers and your best people. And so let's try to lead as best we can convictionally and compassionately, but you're probably not going to get consensus.
0: Yeah. And what we've discovered, because like, I think everyone around this table feels pretty good about in terms of reopening, like we're not afraid to gather with people and we want to take reasonable precautions. But at the same time, we've had enough conversation. We're close enough friends that we would all kind of say, you know what? I don't want COVID. I'll take it seriously. We recognize it's a deadly and contagious virus. On the other hand, I'm going to balance that with, I want a life, yeah. right? So there's that. On the other hand, we have had conversations in our own staff meetings and you were there where- when we really started going around the table, the truth is the staff members will all be there if they're required to, because it's our job. But some of our own families are saying, yeah, well, I'm going to be there, but you know, my wife and the kids are probably not going to show up. My husband might not show up. And then some of our campuses even had, and I'd like for you to comment on this here. And some of our campuses had a thing where they went, well, 30% of our volunteers will show up, but the 10% that I need that are like the anchor volunteers, they're not coming. So the other volunteers don't help me Unless these key
2: volunteers are here.
0: So I, I, that's been an interesting yeah. conversation.
2: Well, you know, especially in a setup and tear down campus environment. Right. You know, so, we had of our, two of those. We do. So this is church for the rest of us. So we are not a network of mega churches. We're a network of neighborhood churches. Right. And in a neighborhood church, if you have two or three of your key families that just can't show up or don't show up, you can't have church. I mean, these are the people that literally do the work that it takes to have a Sunday gathering. Some of our campuses. They were really excited about the reopen until they found out that some of those key families couldn't be there. And we're having to delay those openings.
0: For instance, Derek is the campus pastor of our family church downtown. And so Derek, you know, on a good Sunday that's not Easter, you can run between 16 and 1800. Aaron, you're at uh, Family Church Gardens, our second largest campus in terms of numbers. And on a good Sunday night, Easter, you run between 800 and 1000. If you guys have 30 or 40% of your regular attendance, so let's take 1600, you still have five to 600 people showing up, which is still a lot of people you would have somewhere between three and 400 people. And that would still be a lot of people. But if you have a campus of 200, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. all of a sudden 40% is 80. And now it's more difficult to reopen an entire campus with set up and tear down for 80 than it is in a physical building. That's already in place with fixed seating and everything for 300. And so that's where it's really tougher on smart. And a lot of our listeners are in smaller churches, and many of them church
2: planters was set up and tear down. Mm-hmm. Even if you have your own building, though, if Talk the about Smith it. family doesn't show up, who's actually going to watch the kids? Who's actually going to play the guitar? Who's actually going to clean the facility? You have to have specific people who can actually take care of some of these tasks, or else you can't do church the way that you had already always yeah, done and
0: it. And now, not only that, we need new volunteers. Right. We do. Because now we need a whole cleaning team that's going to run around right. and clean. And we need some that's going to run around and help people get masks and make sure that, you know, I mean, so in some ways we need more volunteers because we have all of a sudden a new set of tasks that we've never had before on Sunday morning.
1: Yeah. So we've talked a lot about training and I know Derek, you're having some meetings about that and thinking about that. Why don't you lay out for us what we're thinking in terms of as we begin to reopen, Lord willing, what is our training going to look like?
3: That's a great question, Leslie. I mean, I think the overarching kind of philosophy that I think any church could adopt is don't look at what you were doing. We've chosen not to look at what we're doing in early March. And how do we just restart that? We've decided to say, hey, let's look at who do we actually have? What does our core team look like? And if we were going to take the core team that we have, the resources that we have, the buildings that we have, and we're going to plant a brand new church in our community, what would we choose to do? And let's train towards that. So for us, that means we want to do a really great job of first impressions. We want to do a really great job with kids ministry. We want to have a really great worship experience. It's probably going to look and feel a little bit different, but we're going to do those things well. And then we're not going to immediately restart some other things that we really believe in have really helped us over the last several years get to where we were, but we're not there anymore. So for us, that's going to look like we're not going to immediately restart on-campus small groups and midweek activities and some other things that we really believe in. And I think, Lord Wing, we'll get back to those rather quickly. But for us, we're going to retrain around the most important things for us. On Sunday morning, yeah,
1: which Pastor Jimmy has told us, that's what we're going to look at. This as a replant, which I love, and I love too, just taking the opportunity to retrain on mission, vision, core Mm -hmm. values, leadership principles. So, like, let's just look at this as an opportunity to restart everything. And that's one of the benefits I think of the situation that we're in, at least for us, is we've done a lot of new and maybe not innovative, but new things, new things, new energy between things that we wanted to do. And so, I think continuing to press forward on that. Even though it seems like you want to go back and think, let's go back to what we were doing, but fight against that tendency and instead say, let's move forward into the new reality that we're going into and how do we do it the best we can?
0: Yes. Let me just recap by just saying, so here's what we're planning on doing. If any of our listeners want to check this out, you can email us. We'll send you our plans or you can go to our website. We can put these in our show notes. But the thing of it is, we're going to plan still to reopen in August. So our four largest campuses are going to reopen the first Sunday in August. The rest of our campuses will open staggered over August and September as they're able. That's our hope. In July, we're going to gather for several weeks of training to try to regather volunteers and key staff, get our buildings going again, and hopefully we'll discover some things as we do that that we'll learn from. And then we're going to reopen on Sunday mornings. But what we're going to do is just like a church plan. So when we plan a new church, what do we say? We got to have Sunday morning. So what do we have to do? We got to preach. We got to do music. We got to take care of people's kids. We got to give them a place to park. So those are the four things we're trying to accomplish. And that's what we're going to try to do for our August gatherings. Someone preach, someone lead music, take good care of people's kids and give them a place to park. That's all we're going to try to do when we reopen. And then if that all goes well, and the Government allows and our people will attend. Then in September, October, we'll think about doing groups on campus on Sunday mornings in addition to just our worship gatherings. And then maybe October, November, we'll be looking at opening up for midweek activities on Wednesday nights or other off Sunday morning times. But the reason we're going to stagger this is because we've got to make sure that we are able to do it in whatever the new protocols are that are still going to be continue to be established. (laughs) Yeah, they're unfolding. And we want to continue to measure the appetite of our people to attend. If we end up in Palm Beach County, we're a a national hotspot. If we continue to be that, we may end up not with 40 or 50% attendance. We may end with 10, 20% attendance. And maybe we finally just go, you know what? The best thing for us to do is to really focus on worshiping at home for now. But we're going to figure this out. We're going to press forward. As things unfold, we recognize that we may have to pull the plug. We may have to back up. Maybe we can't open August, the first Sunday in August. Maybe it's the second Sunday in September. I don't know, but I do know this. We're going to plan and train to open on the plan that we have, which is the first Sunday in August, because it's easy to adjust or cancel a plan that is in motion. It is impossible to open if you don't have your plan in motion. So for everybody who's already reopened, who's thinking about reopening, my encouragement to everybody is to develop a plan, walk down the path, but hold it loosely because we've got to be flexible, Mm -hmm. adaptable, and agile, and so do all of our listeners. I'd like to go around for a closing round of comments. If you have anything you want to add, start with you, Pastor Aaron.
2: Yeah. I think for any church that's listening at any size, one of the greatest things you can do is create some great feedback loops with your people. You can pay attention to national media Mm -hmm. and government agencies, but really when it comes down to it, you've got to check the pulse of the people who are- Your people. Your people who are in your city who are willing to gather. Absolutely. Derek.
3: Yeah. I would just reiterate something I said earlier, which is I think This is a season where you're never going to get consensus with all of your people. And so, the right decision for you're just going to have to do the very best you can with the information that you have, the resources that you have available to you, wise counsel, and other people that you can connect with. And then you're going to have to make a call and understand that not everybody's going to love that call. In fact,
0: not only is not everybody going to love that call, some people are going to hate the call (laughs) and they're going to tell you. That's exactly right. (laughs) You've got to get tough. Exactly.
1: (laughs) I think what I would say from the communication standpoint is that when we gather in person, we know that that's what we're meant to do. We were designed to gather face-to-face. We're actually commanded to gather face-to-face. But this has been a season where we've been able to focus on digital and online, and we're going to need to continue to do that because we don't know what the future holds. For the churches that are going back to in person, don't forget about your online experience don't forget about trying to be in contact with the people who are still worshiping from home. Continue to pull them in so that they don't fall by the wayside.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate that so much. Hey, thanks to all of you for contributing to this conversation. Thanks to all of our listeners for continuing to keep up with us Church for the Rest of Us. From high atop our offices in West Palm Beach, Florida, this is Jimmy Scroggins, Wesley Bennett, Carly Seelman, Aaron Filippone, Derek Simpson. We're signing off. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to church for the rest of us.